0: Hi and welcome to Behaviour RVNs. My name is Nikki. I'm a registered veterinary nurse and I am a first year student at the University of Edinburgh studying clinical animal behaviour at master's degree level. So this week I'm talking to Laura Holderness, a fellow RVN, whose behaviour journey actually started even in her animal nursing assistant days with puppy parties that she'll talk about. Now Laura's about to start a top-up degree, but I met her when we were both on a year-long course together, which we was taught by Sarah Heath, and we'll talk about that course in this episode. Laura has the same passion that I do, and that we both want to become clinical animal behaviourists in the future, and it was so good to hear the passion that she has for this venture and how she's going about it. Laura has a great interest in dog training, so you'll hear her talk about learning through Victoria Stillwell's Academy. But you'll also hear us talk about Laura teaching her peers about what she's learned with regard to animal animal behaviour and welfare. Last year, in between our in-person training and the exam for our NSER, Laura contacted me Desperately looking for advice on how to give a lecture to her work peers. And it was so wonderful to hear someone who was willing to put themselves out there and stand in front of people and talk about their passion. It really is no easy task to do public speaking. So I supported Laura through this task. And on this podcast, you'll, you'll hear how successful it was. Laura also talks about the Dog Friendly Clinic scheme run by Dogs Trust. Uh, This scheme will will be discussed in future podcasts, but it was good to hear how a practice is working towards certification in this scheme. So, let's hear from Laura. So, good evening to Laura Holderness. Thank you for coming along to Behaviour RVN's podcast. So, for those that don't know who Laura is, tell us all about you.
1: Okay, so I am a registered veterinary nurse, Um, I qualified in November 2020, so nearly three years qualified, not quite there yet. I have a keen interest in animal behaviour. Um, I do specifically lean towards canines, sorry. Mm, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I've, done, I've done sort of an extra certificate in animal behaviour. I'm going to be doing extra bits and bobs um, in terms of a top up degree in September, hopefully. And I am currently studying the Victoria Stillwell Academy dog training course as well to so hopefully so, train some puppies at some point. <laughs> Um, and I have two dogs of my own <laughs> which and are
0: gorgeous cocker spaniels
1: <laughs> and I have a lovely cat who sat behind me which you can't see but he sat behind oh me. <laughs>
0: that's good good stuff so yeah you and I know each other from having been on the same course but yeah. we'll talk about that in a minute yeah. um so first of all top-up degree why why the top-up degree
1: well I actually did the diploma route, so I didn't do the the degree route to become a vet nurse. Um, so I've only mm-hmm. actually but done a level three. So this top up degree is is quite big for me because it's going from a level three to a level level six. and mm-hmm. um, thankfully, they sort of recognize um, prior experience in order to get you on because a lot of the time you know experience can go a long way more than sort of qualifications a lot of people know Um, exactly. um, and I, I want to further my knowledge and hopefully become a clinical animal behaviorist so that I can help people on a broader spectrum basically
0: Exactly a woman after my own heart going down the same <laughs> route <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant so yeah um, we both uh, were tutored fantastically for a whole year by Sarah Heath yeah. um, give me your thoughts on being taught by Behaviour Goddess.
1: Oh just fantastic I'm not gonna lie I do name drop every now and again in people sort of like <laughs> you do oh I did you know, did the animal behavior certificate um was taught by Sarah Heath <laughs> and I, I do know she is absolutely fantastic and I really um count myself as incredibly lucky I won't you know I'll be honest with you um probably until I did this certificate um I probably didn't know an awful lot in terms of the behavior world and, and the, the people out there um and then obviously this passion she well she she grew helped me grow my passion even more mm. um, she's probably the reason why I'm going after it the way I'm going after it so she is absolutely brilliant so an absolute yep. inspiration
0: <laughs> even when we did all look at her when she was trying to explain valence to us and we were all like sorry
1: don't <laughs> like, get you it <laughs> You want me to go over this a fiftieth time, do you? Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it did all come together eventually, though. Eventually so that was all good. <laughs> yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant experience, and I mean, she really does teach us so so well. It was so so good, and because of that, then you went on to do some in-house CPD with your own workmates. Is that right?
1: I did. I did. So I um, because as we know, um, the Dog's Trust are doing the dog friendly clinic, mm-hmm. and with that, they sort they want you to do sort of in house um, training. So I thought, oh, okay, I've yep. just done my certificate or doing my certificate at the time because I hadn't got the qualification quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is a perfect opportunity to do a CPT CPD, and I, I don't know, I, th- I, I, just thought, oh yeah, yeah, do it, yeah, no problem. And then it came to me, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm i quite brave, brave. Like this is a big thing, like talking in, in um so I I put this forward to my bosses and they were like absolutely definitely up for that and they hired out a premises for us and put some food on and I got (laughs) a point together and we had an evening and I had quite a good turnout actually I think I only had a few members missing and yeah went through basic canine and feline behavior in practice and what we can do in practice to help make their experience bit more comfortable for them because as we know it's it's quite a daunting experience and it starts right from the minute you know you get the cat basket out at home or you get your Mm -hmm. leave out Um, so anything that we can do to make their life easier um it's a a bonus and if we get everyone on on board in the veterinary practice um it's just going to make their life a lot easier and ours definitely
0: (laughs) definitely and did you get much feedback from having done the cpd
1: yeah, there's all all really positive feedback. And I've seen such a Good. great um sort of turnaround in, in the way that everybody else sees sees our patients as well. And Good. sort of seeing how the vets are starting to be more open about the pre-visit medications. And them sort and that's that's fantastic because you just sort of get a bit of a pat on the back when you just see things like that, because naturally you yeah. get a bit of imposter syndrome. Um, but when you see stuff like that and you just think oh no and it's it's just the respect as well it means an awful lot so
0: definitely so obviously that means then behavior does actually play quite a big role in your daily life at your job then
1: yeah absolutely um you know if we got the um patients that are sort of emotionally challenged um a lot of my colleagues will come to me and sort of ask me what they think the best course of action is i'll help them out and sort of think Well, have you thought about these drugs obviously in terms of the drugs it's the vets they, they've got to look mm-hmm. at that and they've got to think about what's what would be more appropriate for that patient but we can discuss it and then discuss sort of what time they come in in terms of what time their procedure is going to be um mm-hmm. thinking about where it's best to sort of put them in the kennel and things like that so it's incredibly important um it means an awful lot to me to make sure that our our pets are going through, when patients are going through, at least stress as possible.
0: And don't you think that's just where we're the best person placed for that kind of scenario? Because vets are just so busy, they have so many things to think about, and we can really come along and play such an important part in making sure that the animal's really cared for, that we can preempt things like PVPs, so your pre-veterinary visit, your pre-visit Pharmaceutical stuff like that yeah. it, it, it just makes my little heart so happy to hear yeah. that other other people out there are thinking the same things it's just so yeah. good
1: it, it, it's really great because if i'm honest with you we probably were lacking a little bit to begin with um but i think it's just an education thing and once you sort of mm-hmm. invite people they think oh my goodness yeah that like we could we could do this extra little thing here and and even sort of nutraceuticals and and pheromone therapy just little things like that that we can add into patients that aren't necessarily incredibly emotionally challenged but just need that little Mm -hmm. bit extra confidence so
0: exactly so and I believe your big thing is puppy socialization and habituation and training so tell me more about that
1: yeah so when I first came into practice I sort of started out on reception and then I went on to be an Anna which is an animal nursing assistant to anybody that doesn't know um Mm -hmm. And immediately I was sort of put on the duty of puppy parties, which are just, at the time, you know, amazing. Like, what better way to finish a Wednesday evening shit than playing with puppies? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then with that, I, also, I wanted to make them run smoothly. So at first I probably just did the usual sort of... Puppy play, if you like. And then mm-hmm. clients are going to start asking you questions. So it's really important that I'm able to answer them to the best of my ability. So I end up doing extra research. Um mm-hmm. even as an Anna and a student, I was doing some CPDs um, to, on how to run puppy parties to the best of my ability. Um mm-hmm. and that sort of restructured the whole thing and went from sort of making sure I had another member of staff to look after those puppies that were playing and then i would take them one by one into the consult room and i would sort of do some socialization and desensitization in the consult room mm-hmm. where i sort of i would have a um sort of a blanket or vet bed on it on the consult table and that's sprayed with adaptol spray which is the dog appeasing pheromone and mm-hmm. then we would fiddle with their paws fiddle with their ears look in their mouth feed them treats at the same time so they've got the positive reinforcement with it as well yeah, and just you know making sure we don't push them too much and overwhelm them and generally just let them sniff around and then we have a different topic we talk about each week um and it gives the client opportunity to ask any questions that they have on on training and mostly it was sort of how can you get <laughs> my dog to stop biting my puppy to stop biting and I'm like oh
0: mm-hmm.
1: now that is probably one of the most challenging but yeah, but yeah um, and then obviously when I did the certificate then with with Sarah we sort of learned that puppy parties are great if they're run appropriately which mm-hmm. kind of made me start thinking that potentially we didn't have the staffing levels to run them as appropriate as so I probably thought it would actually be beneficial to the puppies so mm-hmm. We stopped puppy parties, but we continued with puppy one-to-one clinics. So they still came in. They still had their one-to-ones with me. Um, and we still had the education with the client. And then if we had another puppy coming in afterwards, we'd do a controlled meeting between puppies and between appointments and things. So oh,
0: brilliant.
1: Feel the benefits of everything just without the negatives of potentially causing fearful behavior later on, if you don't match the confidence levels.
0: Exactly, it's quite interesting because um, I'm a bit more longer qualified than yourself and Mm -hmm. I used to do puppy party years and years and years ago and it did used to be a free-for-all and looking back now I'm like oh I'm horrified after what we've been taught why on earth did we allow that to happen some of those puppies probably weren't a great mix Mm -hmm. and as you say it's just education it's not only education for the clients but it's educating for us to be able to say Actually, no, we can't have a German Shepherd and a Yorkie at the same time, even though they're mm-hmm. the same age, yeah. because it's just not going to work. And we can't flood these poor puppies like you're talking about. We've been overwhelmed, etc. So, yeah, it's it certainly opened my eyes to how we used to do puppy parties. And the way that you're doing it sounds absolutely brilliant. That's such a good experience um not only for the puppy but for the client because they feel like they're getting Mm. a really good value for money as well do you charge for these kind of clinics that you do
1: actually no um okay sort of spoken about it um initially i sort of thought no because it's it benefits the puppies it benefits the clients Mm -hmm. it benefits us um but obviously as my sort of knowledge and sort of experience is going up i'm my appointments are becoming longer because I'm just like bleh, yeah. <laughs> with behavior yeah. and stuff. Like, more <laughs> yeah. So they're getting an awful lot more of a service than I initially gave. So there's that sort of conversation as to whether we potentially offer something else that is chargeable or continue mm-hmm. as we're going. So that's another conversation. But but because I just thought in, it benefits us all, why not? I think more people are going to be encouraged to come when they don't have to pay if that makes sense yeah yeah
0: it's a difficult one
1: Um, because I I would rather people came and were educated and we really made gave these puppies the best chance than, Mm -hmm. than them going oh actually you know I can't do that right now and then we don't give them the best chance that we could have
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Something you mentioned earlier, um, dog friendly clinic. How how are you involved in that? What stage are you at with your application?
1: Not that far at the moment, because a bit like we were discussing before, I've got a few fingers in lots of different pies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm to keep up with absolutely everything. Um, I've started filling it out mostly. I've got to do some videos um for evidence that they need and, and photos of the, the practice and how it's sort of set up in terms of kennels and why it's beneficial for, for the dogs when they're in um, but mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not too far behind I just I just need to get these these pictures and things so hopefully we'll get that by at least the end of the year I think if I give myself by the end of the year then I'm not going to be putting too much pressure on myself especially with starting a degree in a um mm-hmm. doing this dog friendly not dog friendly so dog training course
0: Yeah so tell us about this another goddess of behaviour Victoria Stilwell who obviously a lot of people will probably know from It's Me or the Dog um, which was a TV programme like from years ago and she now now does um, quite a lot of training for people like us that are interested so tell us more about that.
1: Yeah so I just obviously um, Sarah mentioned it on the certificate and I I remember writing it down on the back of my book and I must have just scribbled it down and thought I'll come back to that another time and then I couldn't actually well during puppy parties or puppy clinics I thought, this is Dumbo hello (laughs) Dumbo Dumbo
0: the cat has come to join
1: us (laughs) he loves when the dogs aren't around because he gets full mummy attention
0: (laughs) typical cat (laughs)
1: um and yeah as I said so during my puppy once once we do actually do some Training. I sort of um, showed them how to do recall training and teach them the down cue sometimes. Um, and I just all of a sudden thought, oh, I actually love this. This is really fun. And I remember I, I was a junior handler for my first cocker spaniel when um, when I was younger, and I just really really enjoyed it. And I thought I thought to myself, why don't I think about doing this? Um, so I looked at a few different courses, and, and Victoria's was it just stood out the most it's it's so mm-hmm. thorough it's so in depth and um, there's so much to to it it's not just training you're looking at the history of canines um their behavior their cognitive function the way it all works that way as well so um that one one
0: because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many <laughs> there are so many
1: and um i think it's an it'll be an incredible stamp to have on my name um For when I do eventually open my own dog training business.
0: Oh, so tell us about that. What what, what's your future plans?
1: Future plans. Um, yeah, puppy training, dog training. Um, doing my um, just offering puppy classes and generally talking about behaviour, socialised. So basically, what I'm I'm sort of doing now, but just adding in the training aspect. Okay. And obviously, being able to help with older dogs that need a bit of training. Um and I'll do some behaviour stuff, but I'll be doing that in practice, mm-hmm. Good um, stuff. doing that in practice with the support of my my colleagues and things, so.
0: They definitely sound very supportive, I remember yeah. when you, you messaged me originally going, oh, help, I'm about to do this, what do I do, and I'm just like, you know the stuff you've been on Sarah's course you'll be brilliant and it was really really good to hear that it was so successful and it was taken so well by your peers as well because at the end of the day you can only be one person in the practice you really do need the backup of everybody else so it was so good to hear that they they, they were interested they turned up and hopefully it's making a difference in your practice which is fantastic
1: really is and just and just being able to have people recognize just your basic canine um, and feline behavior in terms of their body language. And then, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and just explaining to them that generally speaking, before we get to a result of maybe a growl or a bite, you you will see other things before that happens. And it's some things Mm -hmm. that maybe they didn't recognize before that now they go, right, I can see this, this cat or this dog is struggling. So I'm not going to push it. And then we can avoid that behavior that upsets everyone. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so if you're thinking back to when you were a student, did you do much behaviour when you were doing your diploma?
1: No, no. Um, we, I can't remember. I think the only thing I can remember is doing, it was one sheet of paper and it was um, dogs and different facial expressions and things like lip smacking, mm-hmm. eyes, the teeth... Um, when they're sort of um baring their teeth and think that was it I can't remember doing anything else that 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 much in depth with behavior Mm -hmm. um it mostly grew from doing puppy one-to-ones I don't I I wonder where I'd be if I wasn't put on that sort of role because I was put on to do puppy parties and then I just kind of really grabbed hold of that um Mm -hmm that experience and, and and sort of went from there so it, it was that that made the experience grow um and I kind of just it was my baby <laughs> I was like this is this is my baby now the puppies are mine yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> and 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 like I say it just became my thing um and everything sort of snowballed from there but yeah in terms of the actual vet nursing diploma we we didn't really do anything on behavior
0: which is quite sad really isn't it i mean i know there are um some places that do a bit more but yeah where do you think animal behavior can then fit into the curriculum for future like students are coming up and that are listening to this and thinking actually i'd be interested to find out a bit more of the behavior do you think that it could fit into the curriculum
1: Yeah, absolutely i think even if you were to do just one lesson on it it's an awful lot more than i think potentially offered in in, in this day and age and i'd be more than happy to come and do my CPD talk that i did um I'd, I'd love to teach people and if they had an extra sort of interest in it and they wanted to go through it more then by all means because the more we get everyone on board the easier our patients lives are going to be and and the professionals as well because if we're able to handle our patients we're able to treat them appropriately appropriately so
0: absolutely definitely so somebody is listening to this as an rvn and they're like yeah definitely want to be interested in getting more training and animal behaviour so how can they get involved what's your tips for getting involved and to be more like Laura and be more like the animal behaviour expert in the practice
1: I think just sort of do do some extra research and if you if you really know that that's what you want to do then absolutely pursue it Um, if you want to do an extra certificate and really get the extra education then I, I I absolutely do recommend it and if you can get get it with Sarah um recommend it even more um, she's definitely a, a fantastic person to learn from um, but there are all sorts of other people out there and you know like your your first broadcast with Caroline Clark she offers a lot of things a lot of courses that can help people so just dive in get stuck in don't leave don't leave it to chance just if you if you're interested go for it <laughs>
0: Definitely that's really good so thank you you're just about finished I think I already know the answer to this but I have to ask <laughs> because I'm going to be asking this of everybody but team cat or team dog? Team dog. Oh it has to be team dog oh my goodness <laughs> and it has to be the cocker spaniel as well.
1: <laughs> the English spaniel the show type my baby. Oh
0: all your babies the, the the ones that started it all for you
1: <laughs> they really really did we did
0: brilliant so Laura thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me I really appreciate it good luck with your top-up degree good luck with Victoria Stillwell Training Academy and hopefully we'll see you up in big lights at some point soon yeah. as well
1: maybe maybe no thank you so much and thank you for having me it's been it's been a fun experience maybe more no <laughs>
0: no problem take
1: care
0: so it's thanks to Laura for taking the time to speak to me it is so good to speak to veterinary nurses who are on the floor who are out in practice and thinking about behaviour because that's at the end of the day why I started this podcast. I knew there were other people out there that thought the same way that I did, that we really can do an awful lot as veterinary nurses. So speaking to people like Laura just makes my little heart glow with happiness that there is others out there that really like to think about the behavioral side of veterinary medicine. So thanks again to Laura. So my next episode is somebody else who inspires me so much I um, I think I actually do want to be her when I grow up because Frankie has done everything and it's she has an amazing story to share with us about how she got where she is just now so join us in the next episode where I'll be speaking to Frankie Lees about wild cats and puppy schools until next time take care you <music>